uh, for indulging me there. Let's go uh, to the screen as we get ready to study today. If you don't know, you should know now we're in a series. We started that series at the beginning of the year. Then the series is entitled Know Your Stuff. Would you say that with me? Know your stuff. And what we're essentially encouraging people is that uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's important that you know some stuff. Because if you know the right stuff, that stuff has the power to be able to set you free. How many living witnesses that when your mind got changed, when you got the right information, your mind shifted and your life changes? So let me just say what we've done. We've done a, a few things here. We study the doctrine of God, the doctrine of God. Now we're studying the doctrine of man. We're ending that series today, and we're going to begin a new series next week entitled uh, Gospel, the Mixtape. And we're going to look at side A. Come on, anybody remember what a cassette tape looks like? Side A, we're going to look at Romans. And then on side B, we're going to look at Galatians as we talk about salvation, the doctrine of salvation. Who says amen to that? Amen. We're just walking through the doctrines of the church, everybody, and we just want you guys to just roll with us. Um, so far, we've looked at knowing creation, uh, knowing the image of God. How many remember some of the messages here? Knowing the image of God. I encourage you to go on our Facebook page as well as YouTube. Share these messages with your friends. Right there at Grace Community SDA Church, our media team has been doing a great job under the leadership of, of uh, where's Brandy? Uh, yeah, Brandy Midget Crosby has been holding it down and been posting on a regular basis so that you can go and grab that stuff and share it. The new track nowadays, everybody, is not in your hand. It's on your computer. It's on your phone. You click share. Hey, check this out. I just heard this word today. It's inspirational. It might be a blessing to you. So we looked at all those things. Know the Sabbath. Uh, powerful message shared there. No sin. No death. Now, know the Savior. Know the Savior. That's what we'll come to today. Know the Savior. Genesis chapter 3. Let's learn a little bit about the Savior. We learned about sin. We learned about death. Now, let's learn about the Savior. Genesis chapter 3 is where we'll go. Genesis chapter 3. What book did I say, everybody? Genesis. Genesis in chapter 3. And we're going to uh, look at a few passages here. We'll start at verse 7. We'll start at verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 7. We've been dwelling all in Genesis. Uh, just about all of the doctrine you can pull out of Genesis. It's all there. All there. All right, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 says, Then the eyes of New International Version, then the eyes of, read with me, everybody, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. Are we there? Okay, we're there together. Okay, all right. You can catch up now. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they did what, everybody? They made coverings for themselves. Look at their reaction to God now. Their eyes got open. They realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. Uh -huh. That's their outfit. And then they covered themselves. Verse 8 says, Then the man together and his wife heard the sound of who, everybody? The Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And this is, again, a strange reaction to a God of love. The Bible says they did what? They hid from who? They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I've always wondered what that looked like. You know, these two big old human beings, you know, hiding in some brand new fashion, their new brand new fashion wear in the trees, trying to hide from God. Anybody here ever tried to hide from God before? Anybody hiding from God right now? Nobody said that one of the best places to hide from God is at church. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was, what was he, everybody? 
I was afraid. This is all, these are all new emotions. He's never had these before because I was what? He had never been naked before. At least he didn't know he was naked. So he did what? The Bible says he did. He hid. Verse 11. Are you still with me this morning? And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, doesn't matter how many times I read this, man. This is just so funny. The man said, come on, brother, say it. Come on. The woman you put here with me. <laughs> say it with your chest. Huh? <laughs> she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Now, the truth is, he's really not blaming the woman. He's blaming God. He said, the woman you put here. This would have never happened if you would have brought her along. It wasn't about her. He was blaming God low key, right? Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I what? Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Y'all hear and we talked about that a few weeks ago. The Bible cursed the serpent to his belly. And if you're a thinking person, kind of lets you know that he always wasn't on his belly. That he had wings. He, he flew. He, had, he, wasn't, he wasn't like he is now. Verse 15. And here's where we want to lean our attention today. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the serpent. It's important. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his feet. Verse 16, the woman, the wo to the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. True. Amen. With painful labor. I don't know. Y'all tell me. Is it still painful? Has anything changed with technology? Or? Still painful. <laughs> I got a witness in here somewhere. <laughs> With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for, I don't even know, is it more painful to have them or more pay, painful to raise them? Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Verse 17, to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. Verse 18. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Life's going to be hard for you, brother. That's what he's saying. Life's going to be hard for a brother. And you will eat. How many brothers out here can testify? It's hard for brothers out here. And you will eat the plants of the field. Verse 19. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Verse 20. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. Now, that's interesting right there. Verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. All right, the title of our message today is How to Kill a Snake. How to Kill a Snake. So uh, in, in preparation for our message this week, I was beginning to think just how, Although the world is getting worse, how many agree? The world is getting worse. We're seeing unprecedented evil like we've never seen before. And honestly, the world is getting worse, but church attendance is down. According to all studies, uh, uh, 
look around you. <laughs> right? Yeah, we don't got to need a little study. Just look around. Uh, people are opting for um, a reduced form of church by watching devices or staying at home. People just don't feel like church is, like, necessary for their spiritual growth. That's just the honest truth. People just don't feel it's necessary. If they did, they would be here. But for, for, for whatever the reason, as the world is getting worse, church participation is in decline. And I think we need to look and carefully consider that. We're going to talk about that more down the road. But although the world is getting worse, and I think everybody would agree, right? Everybody would say that the world is worse, right? Come on, are y'all feeling it? Don't, no, like, do y'all feel evil out there? Do you see evil out there? Even though the world is getting worse, I would like to suggest to you that things are easier now than they were back in the day. Things are easier for us. Um, case in point, um, slavery and Jim Crow. Now, don't get me wrong. We, um, racism is still alive. Who, who says amen to that, right? Uh, black people are still, in many cases, treated as second-class citizens. But we have to admit that there has been a lot of advancement, that there has been a lot of promotion. It ain't the same. Um, there are other forms of it taking place. Uh, my mom just did a, she just did a tour of the civil rights, she did a civil rights tour in the South. She lives in Atlanta now, so she did a civil rights tour, went to Selma, Montgomery. She went to Montgomery and visited this new lynching museum. Um, amazing, she said, just immediately, as soon as you get there, you feel death, just eerie, brings emotions out of you you can believe. And just, mil I mean, not millions, but thousands of individuals were hung. You literally, as a black person living in the South, you could walk down the street and see a black person hanging from a tree. Right? Well, you say we got new trees now. It's, it's, it's overdoses or it's, it's mass incarceration. But the way we're getting by now is a little easier. Let me tell you why it's easier. It's easier because we're benefiting from the struggle of those that have gone before us. We got to do this. Look, and I know it's real easy for us as a generation to be very critical on the older generation. You know, millennials are tough on Gen Xs and real tough on boomers. And bo boomers are tough on their parents. But let me just say this right now. Like, there are some folks, yeah, they're dysfunctional. Yeah, they got issues. You do too. But they paid some prices that made stuff a whole lot easier for you. Come on, say amen. We got to give them theirs. Okay. Right. I said, we need to give them theirs. We got to give them theirs. Things are a lot easier now than they were back then. And I, I'm just going to give you some, some very trite examples. For example, how many of your grandparents in here? How many of your grandparents? Grandparents, right? Um, your children will tell you that things are a lot easier now. Yeah, the way, the way you treat your grandchildren is a little different than the way you treated your own children. Y'all want to play games with me in here today. Listen, man, I don't know what it is, but my mother, man, the way she whooped us, sometimes we wondered if she loved us for stuff, for stuff, man, that was not even on the same level of things that I've seen from my own children, from some of her grandchildren. But there's just a mellowness. There's a mellow nature about grandparents after they done raised you that they just don't treat your, their grandchildren the same way. Matter of fact, they will chastise you for you being hard on them. Say amen or say ouch in here. Some of, some of y'all turned into uh, the Hulk when y'all were disciplining y'all's kids back in the day. And now that y'all got grandchildren now, it's just, all, oh, it's all right. Or maybe you've had this experience where you're the oldest child, but the youngest child doesn't catch it the way that you caught it, right? So what you did is you, you helped out the next generation because you mellowed them out. 
The reason why your grandparents don't got that fight left in you is because them kids took it out of you. You don't have anything left. You've made it, you've made it, they've made it easier for, for, their, for their own children. Do you follow what I'm saying? Things are easier now. People ain't getting whooped like they used to. I mean, I mean there's abuse, don't get me wrong, but it's easier now than it was back then. I'm going to give you another example. Another example how I know things are easier now is because, like, you can, like, photography has changed. Anybody that knows anything about photography will know. I know, because I, I almost I forgot to bring it, but my father-in-law still has negatives in the closet. Negatives. You don't even know what that is. If you're a millennial, you, don't, you think negative is an attitude. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the things that where pictures came from. Huh? And listen, film, right? What, 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 what do you call uh, those, uh, those other things? The little roll, 35 millimeter, right? You load that bad boy in the camera, right? If this is just to get a picture, you just want a picture. Stuff that right now takes a millisecond, right? You got to go through all this. You take the picture. You can't see the picture right away. No. You got to go on to Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid, and then you got to wait a week for them to be developed. And they go through a process that you know nothing of, nine chemical stages in a dark room, right? This is, listen, man, things are easier now. Y'all mad because y'all don't got a lot of followers. We was mad because after we took them, those photos to be developed, they came back and they was blurry. And then you had to go pay money to get them back again. Ah, y'all don't know nothing about that. Man, and I looked at my office, man, and I said, these kids, they don't appreciate nothing. This generation, forgive me, I know, my generation, we don't appreciate nothing. All we got to do to take a, a selfie, first of all, we wasn't taking selfies back then. You look, this, this is a, you look stupid doing this. I mean, now you can just you just snap and some of the step thousands, most of the pictures we got in our phone are pictures of us. And you don't even think about what happened for the picture to even come out. You can filter it, all that stuff. You take it for granted. People went through some stuff just to get this. When this thing spat out, like you took this thing, this thing spat out, you you shaking it like this. <laughs> Waiting for that thing, and about a few minutes later, man, what's all this dust in here, man? This is really old. I found this in, I found this in the old Glenville, like in the basement somewhere. I don't know what they use this for. But look, I mean, this, and, and, then, and then this is what you had. If you lost this, you didn't have it no more. Nowadays, you can change 20 phones, and you still keep all your data if you put it on the cloud, right? And things are easier now. Oh, now, 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 now my number one thing, though. Man, you said you don't know what no VCR is, boy. You what? You started off with DVDs. Don't let me get out of here, <laughs> brothers and sisters. But some of y'all can go back farther than this. But man, listen. Let me, this is let me say this is part of one of my wedding videos. This is a whole story, man. We asked one of my friends to record a video, and I look at some of y'all's wedding videos, and I'm so mad because them joints look like Hollywood, look like the Avengers. I mean, on that type level, man. This, listen, this is one of our wedding videos, man, and this thing is all jacked up, man. It got chewed up in the thing. Y'all know, know what happens when it gets in there and gets stuck, and then the tape, you got to get the, man, we have no memories left, none. They're gone because of this blasted thing right here. And all y'all got to do now is take out your phone, just record somebody, and save it, and you're good. Because every generation makes things easier for the next generation.
Come on, can we, can, can we, can we come on now? We had a generational war. And in like manner, in like manner spiritually, Adam and Eve made stuff easier for you. I want you to see this picture now, Adam and Eve, with the forbidden fruit juice still on their lips. They have never felt guilt. They have never felt shame. They didn't even know how to act in response to this thing that they were warned about. Now, it, some of y'all, oh, man, I, I mean, that, that's not really big. All they did was eat some fruit. Some of y'all, somebody killed somebody, somebody, somebody did this, or somebody used drugs. Listen, nothing compares to being the very first people to cause all of us to be the mess we're in. There's a guilt and there's a shame on that. And guess what? When you sin, you know what you know? You know that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And clear. See, you know this stuff already. Whether you practice it or not, at least you know that there's a church that I can go to. I can hear a message. It will inspire me. At least you know that there are, there's a Bible that you can read. You, do not, you are not in the position that Adam and Eve were in. When they committed that sin, they literally thought there was no hope for them. They thought they were dead. Done. Finished for. And how do we know that? We know that by their response. What was their response? The very first thing that they did is they sowed fig leaves so that they could hide. And I want to tell you right now, that's what sin does to us. Sin naturally makes us not want to be front and center. It makes us want to lie. It makes us want to hide. It makes us want to pretend. It makes us want to cover up. It makes us not want to run to God, but makes us want to run away from God. Uh, it should be no mystery to us that as we are getting closer to the coming of Christ, we are seeing more and more people disassociating themselves with God. More and more atheists. More and more people getting church hurt. More and more people bitter with God. More and more people who are hostile towards religion. And Satan is literally creating generations of people who are not running to God. They're running from God. But can you imagine being the very first person? You don't know none of the stuff we know. You don't got no Bible. And you have committed a sin. And you don't know what to do in response. So they did something stupid. And this is what all of us do. Truth of the matter is that when you, when, sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you do stupid stuff. Come on. Anybody here can say right now, look, I can look over my life recently and say, that why did I do that? Because sin causes us to do dumb stuff. Sin causes us to make bad decisions. And they didn't think, man, God loves me. They weren't thinking God wants me. Their initial thought, and this is what sin does to your mind. Sin makes you think, I got to avoid God. I got to avoid God. I can't pray. I've sinned. I can't repent. I, I can't go to God. I got to run away from God. I've got to, and here's the lie that Satan wants all of us to believe. He wants to deceive us into thinking that God is the enemy and that he is not. He wants us to flee from God. See, we see like the first, we see sin more like rebellion, and it is, but we should see sin more like adultery. That's what sin is. Sin is, it's not just breaking rules, it's betrayal. It's broken relationship. Like if you only see sin as like a bunch of bad decisions, I should have done it this way. Uh, it doesn't make me look good to be, to be on drugs. It doesn't make me look good to be divorced. It doesn't make me look good to be uh, whatever you are, a liar, a steal, a thief, whatever, whatever you, see, we get into reputation rather than we get into relationship. And I'm telling you right now, if you see sin as broken relationship, it should cut you to your heart. 
We should get to a place where we hate sin. Like, I'm a married man. I love my children. I cannot foresee. I cannot even imagine the hurt that I could cause my wife and children if I were to commit adultery. See, that's what sin is like for Adam and Eve. They broke relationship. They believed. They let somebody get into them that they should have never let get into them. They believed the lie. And so now... They're hostile towards God and not towards the serpent. Listen, y'all, they have more trust for the serpent than they have for God. They made it easier for us because when you sin now, you at least know, at least intellectually, that, there, that somebody died for me. I mean, I, whether you're practicing it or not, when you sin, at least you know, at least intellectually, that a price was paid for me. That, that I have some hope. I can pray some prayer. I can ask for some help. I can talk to somebody. But what happens when you're the first human beings on the planet and you sin and you think you're done for? Watch what happens here. They created an interruption in the whole system. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that plants start dying. <laughs> it's great. Like, you sin, you don't see really the effects, right? Can you imagine sinning and just start seeing the whole planet go to pot? Watch what happens here. They're thinking, oh my God, we got to hide. He can't see us. Look at us. Look at, we're naked. <laughs> No, no thought of he's got to know we did this. We're not dead yet. What derangement? We gotta, we gotta hide. And then God shows up. So think like they're thinking. Then God shows up, right? And he says, uh, "Yo, where y'all at?" You know what they hear him saying? I'm going to kill you. I'm coming to get you. I'm coming. I'm coming for you. That's what they heard because that's what sin does to your view of God. It makes you feel like God's not for you. It makes you feel like God's coming to get you. See, it's right there in the text. Their reaction. See, we know that our reaction is when God comes looking for us, we should start running toward him, right? Don't we, don't we know that? Don't we know that when we sin, we're not supposed to avoid God. We're supposed to run to God. Who knows that right now? How many know that it doesn't matter what the sin is? How many know it doesn't matter what, what kind of decision you make, how many people you've hurt? It does not matter. Like, pick the worst person you can think of in your mind. God is not saying to that person, I don't want you near me. God is saying, come to me. But sin screws your head up, man, makes you feel like God's like he's coming to get you. And when they hear God coming in the cool of the day, they hear him walking. They, they start crouching. He said, where are you? You know what that where are you was? It wasn't a where are you like I'm about to destroy you. It was like a where are you like, how did you? He's grieved. It's a parent. Is any parent here ever like misplaced your child or lost your child for a significant period of time? Anybody been like me where you've been at a shopping mall and you lost them for like 10 minutes and it felt like two years? I mean, I, I mean, I go back to this. I mean, 
I mean, it's just um, my, my kids, y'all remember the story? They're, they're hanging out the window, and, and I run in, and, and like, you know, Camden is hanging by, by t- Taylor's holding the arms. It's about to fall out. Like, I'm, my, my chest is, is beating 100 miles an hour. My blood pressure is up. I mean, I don't even remember. All I remember, I don't remember how he got in the window. I know somehow I pulled him inside, and after it was over, I said to Taylor, I was like, what are y'all doing? Now, I didn't want to kill them. Yes, I did. Let me take that. I ain't the Lord. I am not the Lord. I wanted to kill them, then spank them. Right. But no, really, what was it? What was it, y'all? It was a parent saying, I almost lost you. This is a parent whose heart, I, you're going to feel, this is, this is how God feels about us when we've made mistakes. He's not like, I'm coming, I'm sick of you, I'm tired of your mess, I'm sick of your inconsistency, I'm tired of your unfaithfulness, I'm tired of you messing up, I'm tired of you doing this, I'm tired. God does not have that in him. His heart is broken. Even when the flood came, he said he repented the Lord. In other words, it gives a picture of grief of a parent who is grieving over the death of a child. Somebody in here has lost a child of their own before, and you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter how you lost that child. When you lose, there's nothing like losing a child. God's heart is broken. He's like, where are you? I didn't want this to happen to you. I had more for you. I wanted to protect you, but I'm not going to force your will. Why didn't you call on me? Like, that's love coming chasing them, right? So here's what we should have expected, right? This kind of befuddled me. I'm thinking like after that, and this is what they're thinking. Adam and Eve, we're in their mindset, right? We really screwed up. We really messed up bad, right? God starts asking questions. Like, who, what, what? And what they start doing, y'all? Blaming. That's the other thing sin makes you do. Sin makes you avoid responsibility. There's very few of us in here who if we're called out about something we're doing wrong, we take ownership. It's not natural to do that. If you're a sinner, the natural reaction when somebody calls you out on something is to get defensive. Get defensive. What are you talking about? It wasn't me. No, I didn't do it. What are you talking about? I just saw you. No, it don't matter. I don't care what you're talking about. And especially depending on who it is. Like sin makes us run, hide, and it makes us avoid responsibility. All of us in here. That's essentially what self-righteousness is. Self-righteousness is pretending and avoiding responsibility. It gives you the mindset that everybody else has got a problem except me. That's what sin does. It makes you self-righteous. And so God's coming like, no, y'all, we we broke relationship here. Now, here's here's the mind-blowing thing. (laughs) So I'm like, okay. He says to them, who told you you were naked? Adam says, (laughs) The woman you gave me. Wow. <laughs> like, brothers, we've always taken that text and just, like, destroyed, you know, like, yeah, the one. No, you hear what Adam is saying? I would, Lord, listen, I would not be in this. I wouldn't be standing here naked right now, covered in some old, like, uh, like fig leaf Speedo, if you didn't. Like, you, 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 gave, you gave me this woman. You gave me this woman. I didn't want to marry her, but the Holy, you, the Holy Spirit told me to. I wouldn't have been in this mess if you didn't put this woman in my life. He should have smacked him when he said that. Are y'all, are y'all checking what's out there? I mean, just on that type of disrespect. Basically like, dude, it's your fault. He should have smacked him dead. Like he should have thought him dead right there. Thanos. 
what he should have done. <laughs> Gone. Right then and there. All y'all. Blame me. Then what happened next? What happened next? What happened next? He then goes, he goes to the woman. He says, hold on. What, 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 what's going on here? The serpent. She didn't blame a brush. She said, you know, everybody's passing. It's a serpent you gave me. Now watch what God does. I'm thinking at this point, if I'm God, I'm about to check all of them. All of them about to get corrected. Y'all need to stop blaming each other, right? This is, the, this is how we parent. This is how we do church. This is how we do life. When people are wrong, you check them off top. Yeah. He should have like, dealt with everybody. Okay, all right, everybody, look, you, boo. You, Adam, you wrong. You the man. You made in my image. I made you leader, and you jacked up. Uh, let me give you a divine whooping right now. Right? Then go to, and then go to Eve. Like, Eve, yo, why did you do this? And then go to, no, he didn't. Look what he does. This thing blew my mind. I want y'all to see what God does here. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Very quickly. I just want you to see what happens here. This blew my mind. Unbelievable. I saw this. I was like, man, how, how can we ever, like, not want to love the Lord? Like, he loves us so much. Can them, like, just lift their hands right now? You know that God just loves you like crazy, and he's always surprising you with how he responds to your stupidity? Look at Genesis 3.15, right? So we're in Genesis, and I believe we're in, uh, in, in 3. So let's just start at 14. The Bible says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And then watch the shift in the language now. He then says in verse 15, and I will put what, y'all? I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And the Bible says he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So the only person that God addresses after this foolishness is the enemy. Now Y'all seeing grace already? Now don't get me wrong. A few texts later, consequences are going to be dealt out. Woman, this is what's going to happen to you because of this. Giving birth to children is going to be rough, and you're going to always be chasing men. You're going to always want his affection. You're going to always want his desire. You're going to always want his approval. And even your relationships with each other are going to be marred because of a man. He said that's going to be the consequence. That's not even a curse. It's not even a punishment. It's just really, here are the consequences of broken relationship. God's not cursing anybody. He only curses one person in this text. Now, who is wrong? They are both wrong. They're both wrong. But he has yet to rebuke them. You know the first thing that comes out of his mouth? He starts rebuking the serpent. Then he starts making promises to Adam and Eve. I must be too heavy today. I don't know what. Do you realize that God, when we mess up, God makes promises before he passes out punishments? Don't worry, the consequences are going to come. But see, in order for you to deal with these consequences, I need to make you some promises so that you don't quit when you start dealing with hell, that you don't quit when you start dealing with the consequences of your own decision. Now, I want to talk to some real folk in here. How many of you can say that all the struggles in your life just wasn't because of what folk did to you? Who in here can lift them holy hands right now and say a lot of stuff that I'm dealing with to this day have been because of my own choices? Okay, okay, okay. I want to know in here how many are honest enough to just really say I am, I'm a witness pastor that some of the stuff I'm dealing with now hadn't been because of something somebody else did to me. The stuff I'm dealing with now is because of stuff I did. 
And the Lord knew that you were going to have to pass through that. So he says, how are they going to be able to get through this world of sin? How are they going to be able to get through their own stupid decisions? Stuff that has endangered other people. Stuff that has caused problems in their families. Their own children are still wounded by their decisions. There's dysfunction after dysfunction after dysfunction in generation after generation. And you know you're the culprit. You know you done passed down some stuff. You know your children are dealing with stuff that came from you. You know you're dealing with stuff that came from your parents. And you can't do nothing about it. Oh, my gosh. How many know what I'm talking about? You can't fix it. You can't change it. You can give speeches. You can pray for them. But you can't make them do anything. And all you have to do is sit there and watch. All this is because of my stupidity, of my turning away from God. And God says, how is a human being going to be able to psychologically survive their own mess unless I make them some promises? Unless I give them some hope in the middle of their hell. Unless I tell them, listen, yes, you've done wrong. Yes, you've committed sin. Yes, you've come short. Yes, you've failed. Yes, you didn't do it right. But I'm telling you right now, I got you in advance. In advance. This is the reason people don't do God. Because they don't know he's this good. He's this good, for real. See, most of us were raised in households where, I don't even know how to do it. How do you parent with grace? Now, how do you do that? I don't know. I know obedience. I don't know grace, though. Like, so most of us only know performance. Be good. You receive goodness. Do the right thing. Right things will come. But how do you deal with a God who sees you do the wrong thing and starts making you promises about how he's going to turn everything around? How do you deal with a God that looks at the hell you just created, Adam and Eve, not just for yourself, but for the whole world, generations upon generations upon generations upon generations are going to have to deal. Listen, every molestation, every rape, every, every, every uh, 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 drug addict, every, anything you can think of, every abuse that a child has experienced started with Adam and Eve. And do you know how long Adam lived? Does anybody know? Like, can you imagine? 930 years. Thank you, brother. Genesis 5, 900, can you imagine living 930 years and for almost a millennium, you're watching the world fall apart because something you did. How do you not cut yourself off? How do you not quit over some stuff like that? Some of you are experiencing less and life is hard for you. Oh man, you may not take your own life, but you're sure thinking about just going somewhere and just leaving everybody. You're just tired. You're sick and tired of seeing yourself. You're tired of mess. You're tired of what's going on in your house. You're tired of struggling. You're trying to deal and you're just sick and tired. Anybody feel what I'm saying? You're just sick and tired of mess. You're sick and tired of this world. You're tired of church folk. You're tired of folk out of the church. You're sick of yourself. You just, I don't know how to deal. But there's a word for you right now. There is no need to quit because the Lord made you some promises. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You got hope. Like, this is why. We are, this is why we as a church want to help as many people experience God's grace before he returns. Because there are people out there who legit do not feel there's any hope for them. And they don't even know God made them promises before they did stupid stuff. You know what he says to them? Three things real quick. Three promises he makes. First thing, now by the way, I did this for the churchy folk. He makes promises and starts prophesying simultaneously. Because, look, when God makes a promise, it's a prophecy. 
When God says he's going to do something, there's no, it's not conditional. It's going to happen. It may not happen with you, but it will happen. How many witnesses is there? How many? Listen, we prayed last year, last week. Lord, hold back the winds, the rain, all that kind of stuff. Lord said, I got you. It looked like, it looked, I mean, it looked like it was about to be February on Sunday morning. Lord said, I said it was not going to rain. By the time we got down to 3.30, the sun was out. Pastor's calling me. He's like, where y'all at? It's hot out here. That's her text, literally. I was like, oh, you put a little sauce on that. It wasn't hot. But how many know in Cleveland, 55 is hot? Lift your hands. Come on, bring out the bikini. Come on, the shorts. Let's go. We about to sunbathe. It's 55. Turn up, right? Lord says, listen, listen, when God says he's going to do something, I need somebody to receive this right now. When, listen, this is why you got to be in your word. When the Lord starts making, make, when the Lord makes promises, this promise is not for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their children. Yeah, you are their children. These promises are for you. Well, one of the things that will shift your prayer life is when your prayer life is starting to be based on the word of God. Look, I don't know what to pray. Open the Bible. Huh, Dion, what did I tell you? Go to Psalms 37 and just start reading what God said. If you commit your way to the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Huh? Read the word. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide in the shadow. I claim your word, God. Many of you are trying to fix your own situation. You are breaking God's commandments. You are doing things that are in compromise simply because you will not trust his promises. I have discovered that when God decides to do something in your life and he makes a promise, if you wait on him, if you wait on him, he will do exceedingly, abundantly. Come on, talk to me, y'all. How many can say he does it well every time? He doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't jack it up. He knows what he's doing. Three things. First thing he promised was, he said, I will put enmity. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Uh, the word enmity, brothers and sisters, means, comes from the word enemy. It means resistance. It means uncomfortable. Now, now I studied on this. Y'all got to give me your ears. Huh? Work with me, Raw. Work with me, man. Huh? He said, now watch this. He says, I'm going to put, here's a promise, I'm going to put enmity. Now you're asking yourself, how do you defeat the devil with that? How, what kind of strategy is that? You're going to put enmity? Listen now, you know what enmity is? I said before, it's hostility, it's resistance, it's just this feeling of uncomfortable. Matter of fact, the Hebrew word gives the picture of somebody who is so, who is in fight or flight mode. Their adrenaline is moving. The, the word literally means to huff and to puff. It's the equivalent of when you see a snake slithering. And you're not Andre Fowler, who just likes snakes for no reason. Like, <laughs> raise your hand, Andre. I don't know where you are. I mean, just love this guy. Loves snakes. Pray for him, right? <laughs> uh, listen. So, listen. But the average person, if they see a boa constrictor coming their way, something will be triggered inside of them that God put inside of them, saying, "It's time to run. <laughs> it's time to defend." The brain will get into motion. Adrenaline will increase. Even if you have ailing bodies, the adrenaline God gives is so dope that when they eat it, it's literally dope, right? But it's like God dope, right? So when God, like, gives you the adrenaline, listen, you, 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 can, walk, you can move real fast back in the day, but adrenaline will have a person with a cane. Drop the cane. Come on, say, have you seen it? Have anybody seen a dog chase somebody and they was with a cane and the adrenaline kicked in, the cane went out the way, and they start running like Usain Bolt? God puts that inside of us. And so, so hostility, enmity is that. That's what it is. Because watch this now. If God didn't put supernaturally hostility in us towards Satan, then we would see Satan as our friend versus our foe. Okay, stay, stay here, please, please, please. Please listen. Listen. 
Before God said, I, here's my strategy. This is how I'm going to help you. This is how I'm going to help you deal with this mess you're in. I'm going to put something inside you that's just going to make you uncomfortable with the devil. Now, that don't mean you ain't going to sin. That ain't going to mean you ain't going to even chill with the devil. But, you, but when you're chilling with him, you're going to at least know it's him. Come on, come on, work with me now, y'all. Before God put that in them, they didn't have it. God says, how can I save them without taking away their free choice? The only thing that I, I'm able to do is I'm able to at least, I'm not breaking the rules, I'm not cheating Satan, I'm at least going to put something inside of them, Sean, that at least sends a signal that they are doing the wrong thing. That this is wrong. It doesn't matter whether a person has been to church or not. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter if they're Christian, it doesn't matter what their belief system is. Everybody on the planet knows right from wrong. That's because God put enmity in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anybody glad at least to know, yeah, I done done some stuff. I done chill with the devil. I done live with him. I done been places with him. But at least I knew it was him. At least I knew that I, that I, who my enemy was. What Christ is basically saying is, is, it's war. If he didn't put it in them, they wouldn't have known. As a matter of fact, they would have befriended Satan instead of Christ. Because up until this point, they put more trust in the serpent than they put in God. So God said, let me level the playing field. Let's at least make it a war. Let me put something inside of them so at least they'll know whose team they're on. How many want to just lift your hands right now and say, Pastor, I ain't always done it the right way. I done done some stupid stuff, but I thank God for a conscience. Come on, say amen. How many thank God that the Holy Spirit at least tells you you shouldn't have said that? You shouldn't have cussed. You shouldn't have slept with her. You shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have snorted that. You shouldn't have smoked that. You should have gone there. You should have done that. Where y'all at in here? How many at least want to praise God that you know right from wrong? That at least you have a mind where you can still hear the voice of Jesus talking to you. Listen, you can take everything you want from me, but don't take away his voice. Don't take away his spirit. I ain't always going to make the right choice. But I'm praising God today that he never leaves me. He'll never forsake me. He'll put in me enmity. Yes, yes. Let me just give you a warning right now. Enmity is really vulnerable. It's fragile. If you play with it, you'll get to a place where you won't know right from wrong. You'll start calling wrong right and right wrong. That's a lot of what's going on in our world right now. People are justifying sin. They're justifying compromise because the enmity, the voice is getting silent. Anytime you can just walk up to somebody and blow their brains out for no reason. Are you hearing me now? People's conscience is being seared according to the word of God. The second thing he said he was going to do, hallelujah, how many thank God he protects us from ourselves? Woo! The second thing he, he promised he was going to do, he says, I'm going to put enmity. He says, and then, huh, he said, between your seed and her seed, woo, Everybody go have it. He said, and then I'm going to kick his butt. That's, the, that's what it says in the Hebrew. He says, I'm going to crush his head, the serpent. It's right in the text. He said, I'm going to crush his head. Mm. Father, let me pause and say this. Y'all, at least folks who are going to see Avengers. I saw it. Tell y'all right now. Let me tell you right now. Uh, while I watched that movie, I said, these Negroes stealing from Revelation 20. They in Genesis, they in Genesis 3. 
And the amazing thing is, is we'll go, we'll go pay dollars. They're going to make a billion dollars over this movie. A billion. A bi bi billion. They're going to make a billion dollars. But listen, if many of all won't even study the word of God. You won't even study the word of God. The story is already in here. Look at what the Lord promised he's going to do. Every story you see in the movies is some adaptation of Genesis 3 and Revelation 20. All of them. I could do a whole series on Avengers and just point out from Scripture. But, so watch what they borrowing from Scripture. Watch what he says. He says, I'm going to kick his butt. How you going to do it? I'm going to crush his head. How you going to crush his head when you die on the cross? Because dying on the cross is exactly what's going to crush his head. I'm literally going to become sin and take the bite out of sin, of sin, death, and hell. All the stuff he had aimed at them, I'm about to take it. And the thing is, is when I'm dead, he's going to think he got me. But the other thing is, is like I talked about last week, I'm going to actually come back from the dead, and I'm going to take the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And that, yes, oh, did I get wounded? I was wounded for their transgressions. I, what did I, was I going to get I was bruised for their iniquities. The Bible says, I'm going to crush his head, but he's going to bruise my heel. How many will take a heel injury over a head injury? I don't know about you. The heel will, the, the heel, will heal, right? But the head, come on, say it, somebody. You can have permanent damage to the brain. So the enemy said, listen, I got his heel, but he said, I got your head, and I'm going to crush it on the cross. Do y'all realize Jesus found three ways to beat the enemy? He beat him on the cross. He's about to beat him at the second coming. The Bible says in Revelation 20, he's going to lock him up and put him in chains. And for a thousand years, he's going to try to figure out if he for real God like he said he was. And then he's going to get beat again in the lake of fire. He said, I can beat you with my hands tied behind my back. I can beat you with my arms stretched out wide. I can beat you in the middle of a tomb. I, I can beat you because, hey, when Christ has secured your salvation, the victory doesn't just belong to him. How many can lift your hands right now and say, I feel this thing, Pastor. The victory is mine, too, because he got up, because he was victorious. How many can just lift hands right now, holy hands, and say, so am I? Let me end this. So... The imagery that is used in the text, the imagery that is used in the text, Satan decided to be a snake. He decided, I'm going to pick a serpent, I should say, right? Snake is the after effects of being a serpent. There's no more serpents no more, only snakes. The snake don't got no wings, don't got no landing gear, because it's been cursed. The serpent was that beautiful thing that Satan used and was talking to Eve, singing, huh? mesmerizing. He took it. God took it from him. said, it's cursed. Here's the amazing thing. He used the snake, right? So I'm, I'm feeling like if the Lord can crush a serpent's head, which is to kill a snake, then maybe we need to figure out how to kill some snakes, right? Huh? Any, any, any snakes trying to creep in your life? So here's the crazy thing. I, I, he was, this is blew my mind. Oh, this is going to help somebody today. Oh, Andre, you probably know this already, right? Yeah, I'm telling you, sure you, you know how to kill a snake. Huh? Okay. All right. <laughs> so what they tell you is, is, if you see a snake, you shouldn't kill it. If you see a snake, you should not kill it. You shouldn't kill it. You should get away from it. <laughs> too dangerous. It's too dangerous to try to kill a snake. Shouldn't kill it. The only, only way they say you should kill it is if it puts you in a corner. I hear a word. I hear, uh, the, Lord, the Lord is saying, you, you ain't supposed to be fighting the devil. My Lord. Yeah, somebody told me, we're going to defeat the enemy. We ain't doing nothing. 
He's, gonna, he's already defeated the enemy. I'm going in his name. We are not to be fighting Satan. God fights for us, and as we are in him, he will fight out. This battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. But if you were to find yourself in a situation where you were cornered by a snake, here's what you shouldn't do. This one has a semi-biblical tone. A man and a woman together in a garden come across a serpent. The serpent awakens them to their own mortality, and their lives are changed forever. True story. But that's where the similarities end. Because in this story, the man grabbed a shovel. I've seen my dad do this. Anybody seen a gardener snake took a shovel out and cut that boy in half, right? Watch what happens. The man grabbed the shovel to decapitate the snake. A four-foot-long western, uh, western diamondback rattlesnake after it spooked his wife. So he's going to be the tough guy and go and, you know, yeah, right, handle it, right? And when he went to pick up the severed, the severed head, it sank its fangs into his flesh and released a near-deadly dose of venom. His wife, who happens to be a nurse, told the news when she shared her story that she jumped into professional mode after her husband Jeremy was bitten. She got him into the car and called 911 to find the nearest hospital to where she was. It was over an hour away that had the anti-venom medication on hand. Now hold on, buckle your seatbelt. It was an hour away that she had to go. About two miles into her drive, her husband began to have seizures lost his vision, and unknown to them began bleeding internally. So she met up with an ambulance and then a helicopter, which flew the 40-year-old to the hospital as his organs were already shutting down. Now, let me just throw this out here to you. I know this is crazy, just little, just little facts for you, right? It, you legit can, like, eat a snake, a poisonous snake, and not be poisoned. Because it's not poison until he opens his teeth and puts it and ruptures your flesh. It's weird, right? It's only, not that you would eat it, I'm just telling you, right? Like the venom becomes venom when the bite happens. Listen, here, here, stay here, stay here. The article continues after this, watch, he says, it was touch and go for this guy for 24 hours, according to his wife. But he's now in stable condition. Now here's the lesson we need to learn. A severed viper head certainly can deliver a dangerous bite. Did you know that? You cut a snake's head off. And there are some who have said that they have seen mummified snakes. No doubt. Go Google it. Mummified snakes. Years gone by. Because their metabolism is much slower than ours, the blood vessels still are at work, and there is a reflex in them that if you touch the teeth, it's going to bite you. If you touch the head, it will still bite you. On record, there are at least verified records of 12-hour cases, 90-minute cases. Crazy thing, there's a guy in China, you know, they eat some interesting delicacies over there. So he was making this real, like, like delicacy. It was like cobra, right? So he cuts the head off. True story. I just don't have time to read it, right? He cuts the head as he's preparing the head of the cobra. The cobra that has been dead now, head severed for 20 minutes, latches onto him and kills him. I'm struggling here, y'all. I'm in my study. 
you know, I'm a preacher, you know, I'm just like, what what, what, what do we do to get there? What do we, what, 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 is, what does all this mean? Yeah. Uh, 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 how, how does this fit in with Genesis 3, verse 15, where he says he's going to crush the head of the serpent? And so well, lesson that you first, the first lesson you need to get, because I'm, I'm going to close with something else that you just got to hear, right? The first lesson you got to get is this. Be careful around venomous snakes. Okay, amen. That's number one. Okay. All right. Okay, I just have to throw that in. Even if they look dead. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for, for, for National Geographic. See, some of us still playing around with various sins because we think that they are dead to us. But the word is, is, yeah, they might be dead, but they can still bite. The enemy is defeated. He's defeated. The Bible tells us in Revelation, I don't have time to read it, but the Bible says in Revelation at the cross that Satan's death blow was secured. He's done right now as we're getting our butts kicked by the devil. How many of y'all getting your butts kicked by him? How many? Is he messing in your family? Is he bothering you in your mind, your heart? Like, guess what? Yeah, but he's doing all that with a head cut off. Because a severed head can still bite. Can still bite. Listen, I, the word for you today is, it's like, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You don't cut his head off and go grab the head. You don't even try to cut it. You get out of it. The Bible says flee, resist, move away. Don't even be around evil. Don't compromise with it. You know that man is not, uh, not, not a godly man. The word of the Lord is, leave him. You know that sister is leading you to hell? Leave her. Because they'll bite you. And when they bite you, they can kill you. Don't play with sin. Well, that would be a negative ending. But it's, it's true though, right? But isn't it true though? We need to stop playing with the devil, y'all. I'm serious. We need, I mean, for real. For real. We got to start drawing some boundaries. We got some of y'all not strong enough to hang with your friends who's smoking and drinking. That's not strong enough. Yes, he's defeated, but the head can still bite. Some of you are just, you're not able, you're not able to be on your phone late at night. Leave that phone in the car because even though pornography is defeated, it can still jump out and bite you. Some of y'all don't even need to be on social media at all. See, we're not willing to make those kinds of sacrifices because we're looking at the severed head and said, it ain't going to bite me. Oh, yes, it will. I just got a word for you today. Respect evil. Respect it. Respect it. Back off. Know your limitations. Know your weaknesses. Know your boundary. Watch. Don't think. The Bible says, to him that thinketh he stand, he ought to take heed lest he fall. All right, last thing. So I'm saying, hmm, so he's going to smash this. He's going to smash his head. But we ain't supposed to touch the head. Mm-hmm. How are you going to do that? So then I started looking through the scriptures. How did, what, what, what symbol is it? Satan chose a snake, right? That was his symbol, right? You know what symbol the Lord chose? An eagle. Oh, Deuteronomy 32. 
He says, I'm going to gather you up like an eagle on eagle's wings. You go to Revelation 12, and Revelation 12 says that when the serpent is chasing the woman through the wilderness, that he's going to give the woman wings like an eagle. <laughs> so I said, oh, let me go slide on over here to this eagle for a minute. Now, y'all know that eagle's a bad boy, right? Do you know that an eagle can see its prey, uh, like, I'm talking about thousands of feet in the air, miles away from its target, because its eyesight is so perfect and pristine, it can see the movement of a snake in the water, and it can determine where to land before the snake gets there. When you get a chance, Google eagle kills snake. Y'all know how eagles kill snake? They grab those boys and they crush the head. Listen, I, I, that, that's tricky though. Because I just told you don't fool with it, right? The eagle's talons are sharp as knives. And they're able to grip that boy, right? You know what he does? He then takes his beak and he literally puts the head of the serpent in his mouth. So then I had to, hold on, no. how, how he going to live if he going to eat a poisonous snake? Because I already told you, it ain't poison unless you get bit. Oh, sister. The, who is the eagle? Who is the eagle? Are you the eagle? No, he's the eagle. He says the way I defeat evil is I eat it. I'm not playing with no cutting no head off. Where is it? I'm going to eat it. That's what, listen, eagles ain't trying to kill snakes. They feeding the snakes to the, to the to eaglets. They're eating them. That's savage. He not, see, we trying to get away from the danger of the snake, so we cut its head off. The eagle's like, that's food. The eagle wrestles it down, and then he literally, this is how he starts the, the meal. He takes the head and puts it in his mouth and crushes the head. He said, the way you kill a snake is you got to eat the snake. Oh, if I were talking to you, you'd be confused. But what the Lord is saying is, is I became sin. I done took on sin. I ate it. I took it already. Ain't no need for you to be out here trying to fight snakes because I already defeated the snake. I already took the pain, I already took the punishment, I already took the chastisement. What I need you to do is stop chasing snakes and start chasing me. I need you to run away from evil and start running to the Lord. Have I got anybody out here today that's just tired of, of fighting the snakes and, and dealing with snakes and dealing with snake people? Come on, say amen. Dealing with snake children? Come on, say amen. Dealing with snakes in the church, out of the church, on your job. How many know it's snakes everywhere? Demon snakes, huh? Come on, Satan the snake. Every time you turn around, something is trying to get you. Something is trying to attack you. But the Lord is saying to us right now, put your fists down. Be still, Ephesians 6 says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. So what should we do, Lord? He said, take on the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. He said, put on all this armament. Oh, can we fight now, Lord? Is it time to kill the snake? He said, no, then stand. 
He says, after you've done all you can, stand. I don't need you fighting the devil. I need you standing. And when you stand, the Bible says that the Lord will show up and fight your battles. Anybody in here tired of fighting snakes? God says, I'll eat it for you if you let me handle it. You're trying to cut it. You're trying to fix it. He says, I'll eat it for you if you let me. Anybody here today want to let go and let God have his way in your life? I'm going I'm to talk specifically to somebody. Somebody here right now got a business situation. And in that business situation, things are bad. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm just going to be led by the Spirit. There's a business situation, and it's a snake-type situation. It has the potential to destroy you, to destroy what you've worked for. I mean, you're feeling anxiety about it. i got a word for you right now. God says, I'll eat that snake. He says, I don't need you fighting. He says, I just need you to stand still right now. He says, don't do what you are planned to do. I want you to stop what you plan to do, and I want you to get into prayer. I want you to get into worship. I want you to double up your prayer life. I want you to strengthen your worship life. I want you to start running to God. The way to beat the devil is not to fight him, but to resist him and to flee to the Lord. Is there somebody here whose business right now needs praying for? I feel led of God right now. Somebody's business right now needs me. You need a prayer over your business. right? Come to the altar right now. Let's pray over your finances. Let's pray over your business. Something is threatening to destroy what you have built, but God says right now, I've got your back. Somebody else in here, a snake is designed to take your health from you. Sickness has crept in your body. Holy Ghost told me to start praying for healing in the church. Start praying that bodies will be healed. I don't know if there's anybody sick in your body right now. The word of the Lord is, is you don't have to fight that thing. I'll fight it for you. Come even now, right now. Come even now, right now. Go ahead, Willie. Go ahead, Willie. Somebody sees a snake trying to attack your family. There's something coming into your family right now. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but the Lord says, stop doing what you're doing. Be still. Let me do the fighting. Build up your prayer life. Build up your study life. I'm preaching to somebody right here, and I don't know who I'm talking to. Some of us are doing too much. Some of us are trying to fight. Put your shovel down. Put your knife down. Be still and know that he is God. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. You are not designed to kill snakes. God says, I'll eat it for you if you let me. You know what? If you eat a snake, guess what? It's gone. It ain't here no more. Some of us trying to kill snakes and it'll still bite you even though the head is gone. But God says, I'm so thorough. I'm so thorough. I take care of business. And when I take it, it's gone, baby. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I'll heal it. Somebody right now. Got a marriage snake. Enemy coming in. Trying to fool with your marriage and your relationship. Don't be ashamed. Get up out of your seat and bring this thing to the altar right now. Somebody got a sin snake. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Let's not put fig leaves on now. It ain't time for fig leaves. But somebody got a sin snake. A sin that so easily besets you. Something you're struggling with. Something you're fighting with. I don't know what's in your mind. I don't know what's in your hands. I don't know what's in your feet. I don't know what it is. It could be addictive in nature. I'm not sure what the sin is. It might be separating you from your destiny. It might be preventing you from a closer walk with the Lord. It might be ruining relationships. I don't know what it is, but the word of the Lord is right now. God says, I'll become sin. I'll eat that sin right now. My blood is sufficient. I'll cover you. Bring your stuff to me. Resist the devil and he will flee. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Anybody need to come out of their seat right now? If you got a sin snake you're struggling with and you need to bring that sin to the altar and say, God, take it from me. 
If I'm talking to you right now, oh, come, come right now. Don't hinder yourself. Don't hinder others. Get up out of your seat if you're struggling with a sin problem right now. Something that you're fighting, that nobody's business, but you're fighting it. God says, I got that serpent. I'll kill it. Anybody else? Anybody got something with your mind and your spirit? The enemy's trying to attack you from the inside. Trying to make you anxious and fearful and worrisome. Huh? Anybody here? Anybody here right now want to give to the Lord your problems that you hold on to that got you all stressed out, got you sick, got you anxious, got you worried? Is it a child? Does anybody have a child right now? Thank you, Holy Ghost. A child that you're concerned about. If you're already here, lift your hands. But if you're still seated and you want to get up out of your seat, not for yourself, but for a child, for a loved one, for a husband, for a wife, for a family member, and say, God, I, I've been trying to fix this, but I need you to fix it. Get out of your seat and come right now. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. How many still believe that God answers the prayers of his people? How many still believe that he will fight your battles? How many know that this battle is not yours? It is the Lord's. How many can worship him right now and say, God, I trust you. God, I lean on you. God, I depend on you. I know that you're not a man that you should lie. Neither the son of man that you should repent. No weapon that is formed against me shall be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment shall be cast down. Oh, I believe you right now, God, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of God will lift up a standard against him. Saints, let's go to war. Let's go to war right now. But we're not going to fight like we've always fought. We're going to stand back and watch Captain Jesus fight for us. Come right now. Bring your children. Bring your children. Bring a legal. Somebody got a legal issue. I want to pray for you. Somebody's got legal trouble. Somebody got a tax bill. I don't know who you are. Somebody's in financial trouble. Foreclosure. Bankruptcy threatening you right now. And you don't know what to do. You don't have nothing to do. The Lord says right now, give it to me. Y'all, I don't know what else to do. That's all I've been taught. The Bible just teaches me wrong that when we have these kinds of problems, that we're to bring them to the Lord, y'all. If you are in your seat, and I didn't call your problem, but you know that you got something that Satan is constantly tempting you to fix, but you know now I got to give it to God. Come out of your seat and bring that thing to the Lord right now, whoever you are. Give it to him. Lord, I just want to repent right now. We're trying, to be, we're trying to be God. We're trying to kill snakes. We're trying to fix my problems. We're trying to make ways, God, for being impatient, for moving ahead of you, for not being still and waiting on you. Your word has already told us, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even realize what's in this text. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. Hallelujah. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Some of you, your spiritual life is being choked out of you right now. It is almost as if a boa, a python, is choking out your spiritual life. You used to pray. You used to come to worship and, and, and with the people of God. You used to be involved in church. You used to be more consistent in your devotional life. You used to want to tell people about Jesus. But something, you've, lo you've lost something. And you feel disconnected from God. I want you to just lift your hand right now if you're here and say, Lord, right now, I need you to take over my life right now. Take over, God. Take over. 
Is there somebody who needs to give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Be baptized, be rebaptized. Join the church if the Lord is talking to you. Get away from that snake. You ain't no match for him. Lean on to Jesus. Come unto me, he says. All you that labor in a heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Don't, I'm not asking you to fix nothing. I'm saying come as you are. I make promises. I don't give punishments. I make promises. I got you. If the Lord is talking to you right now, and you need to give baptized, or you just need to join the church uh, through some other means, but you know right now God is calling you back into relationship with him. I'm talking about another level. I'm talking about deeper. I'm talking about further. I want you, if the Lord is talking to your heart right now, and he's saying, now is the time to come back to me. Because there's a snake out there trying to kill you, and you are no match for it. But I've got power to deal with snakes. The Lord is moving upon your heart to give your life to him. I'm talking about this is you and God. He's talking to you. You're talking to him. There's a conversation going on right now. It ain't the preacher. The Holy Ghost is moving on your life. You just feel a need. I need to give my life to him. I need to come back to the Lord. I need to join the church. I need a fresh start with God. If the Lord is talking to you, I want you to just lift your hand right now. If the Lord is talking. Lift your hand. The Lord is talking to you right now. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand. Just lift your hand. Lift your hand. Say to God, I don't know how to say this. I, I don't know how to say this. I, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to prophesy. Or, I, I just believe what the word God says. I just believe we're living in perilous times and, and that Satan is, is working as a deceiver to, to lull us to sleep, to make us comfortable. Uh, and, and all around us, there are snakes that are trying to take us out, but, but he has made us numb to danger. Many of us have gotten lax in our walk with the Lord. We've gotten lax with the Lord. We've gotten lax spiritually. Oh, but many of us are grieving the Holy Spirit. I just want to tell somebody right now, God loves you. God loves you. He's calling you back in the relationship with him. Oh, don't let this harvest pass you by. If you feel like he's talking to you, do not harden your heart. Lift your hand right now, the Lord is saying. It's your time. It's your time right now. Stop playing with the devil. Hallelujah. Lift your hand. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. 